All right, uh, we're going to be in Numbers 13. Numbers 13. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers 13. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. We're going to be in 13 and 14. I've got some scriptures that I, that I spoke about a few weeks ago, and I've been having trouble getting these scriptures off my mind. So I'm going to talk about these scriptures just briefly, and then we're going to go to Numbers, okay? And we're going to see in the Old Testament uh, how these scriptures were fulfilled in the Old Testament and how they're even still true today. You know, uh, God is a big God. And his word is full of promises that he's going to do for us. But there's one thing, and, I, and the older I get, the more I learn this with people around me and in my own lives. There's one thing that God will not do. He will never violate his word. And not only, something else he will never do. He will not override your will. He just won't do it. The scripture's clear. It says that God wishes for none to perish but all come to the knowledge of Christ. All right, that's what the scripture says. See, if, if God would override our will, everybody would receive Christ. If God's perfect will was here upon this earth, you know what it would be like. It would be like heaven. And we're not in heaven yet. So God will not override our will. Sometimes we wish he would, but he will not. So I want to read these scriptures, and we hear them from time to time. Christians say them, and, and you hear them different times. And uh, the first one is uh, Philippians 4, verse 9. And it says, and we hear people say this. It says, they'll say, the peace of God will be with you. And that is a possibility for the peace of God to be with you. But if you read the verse before that, this is what it says. It says, keep putting into practice all that you learn, receive from me everything that you heard from me and saw me do, then the peace of God will be with you. So see, those things, they're not, it's not just, oh, I'm a Christian now, the peace of God is with me everywhere I go. Because we all know that the enemy would love to steal our peace. He tried. Oh, my. Could I tell you some stories on that one? Another scripture, Ephesians 5. And I, we hear Christians say this, too. We hear them say sometimes, we are the light of the Lord. Right? I mean, that's scriptural. That's what the Bible says. But the verse after that, tells us how to be the light of the Lord, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Remember us looking at that scripture a few weeks ago? So if we want to be light of the Lord, we need to be pursuing what is pleasing unto him. Because God is all light. In him there is no darkness. Amen. You know, uh, and I know just about enough about this to be dangerous. So you might want to take cover. Uh, you know, in science, they study almost every topic, every subject. But 
They do not study darkness. Nobody studies darkness. You know what they study? Absence of light. Absence of light. Now you think about that. God is light. So basically, if you look at it spiritually, God is light, and the more of Him, the more we follow Him, and the more of Him that we know, the better we know Him, the more light we're going to walk in. Right? Right. I'll right. <clears throat> share one more with you. John 8, 32, and then I'm going to read 31. And it says, and I know this is a classic, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Right? We've all heard that. We say that on a regular basis. But in John 8, 31, it actually says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, see, we can take this even all the way back to salvation. Because, see, God wanted you saved long before you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. But see, whenever you found out the truth about your sins and that there was a Savior that you could receive, when you found that, then you started walking in the light of that. Not, not before. Because, see, we can't walk in those, those things that we don't know about. It's, it's impossible. And that brings us to today's sermon. Walking where he leads. You know, I'll tell you one of the, one of the hardest things to do is to follow somebody. Uh, this is a church. Have you guys ever took off somewhere and three or four cars going in a, in a group and one car is way up there and another car is way back there and, you're, and you, can't, you can't stay together? Following is not easy. It's so, there's so many distractions. Someone needs to use the restroom now and somebody don't want to. Somebody gets hungry later on. And the next thing you know, everybody's scattered. So it sounds so easy, but really, that's really all what God wants us to do. He wants us to follow him. In fact, he even gives us a flashlight for when it gets dark. Day or night, we can follow God because he gives us a flashlight. So go ahead and turn to Numbers 13. We're going to look at this. Uh, we're going to look at this in the Old Testament. This is a story about Moses and Joshua and Caleb and uh, the children of Israel. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to read the first of the story, and I'm going to read the end of the story, and then we're going to talk about what's in between, okay? But the thrust of this message is walking where he leads. How many of you believe that, that God wants the best for you? Amen. How many of you believe God wants the best for your family? Well, what about your kids? I think he does, don't you? You know, right there, that's just three really good reasons to walk where he leads. Now, as we read this, we're going to see two different camps. Uh, we're going to talk about two different groups. And I'm going to call them believers and unbelievers in this story in Numbers 13 and 14. You have a small percentage that was with God. They wanted to follow him. If God said they could do it, they believed it. 
And oddly enough, the majority of the congregation, and I will also add, the majority of the leaders would not follow God. They refused to. So, so let, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Numbers 13.1 is, we'll, is where we'll start. It says, the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan. Now, before I go on, I want you to do something for me. I'm going to read this. And before I elaborate on it, I want, as I read this first part, I want you to see if you can hear key words in these sentences. Key words that you can hang your hat on. Key words that would build their faith. Key words that are worth following God over. Okay? So as I read it, as I read it, see if you can pick these out. And Lord said to Moses, send out to explore the land of Canaan that I, that I am going to give the children of Israel. Send one leader from each of the 12 tribes so that Moses, and that's what Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And he sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel and to their camp in the wilderness. So, did you hear anything there? Did you hear anything that you could hang your hat on? First, there's several in there. First of all, in God's mind, this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey, it was already theirs. God, in his mind, I am giving that to them. They can have it. Come on in. I'm going to lead you in, right? Because God said, I am giving it to them, right? So Moses just goes ahead and he does exactly what God tells him to do. He picked one man from each tribe and they went out to spy out the land to, to get a battle plan. Okay, now I'm going to tell you the end of the story. The end of the story, Numbers 1330. We'll start there and we'll read down just a little bit. It says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses had said that we should by all means go up and take possession of the land. Surely we will overcome it. Now, what made him think that they could overcome the land? It wasn't by what they saw, and we'll read that here in just a minute, but what made him think that they could overcome the land was by what God had told them. You know, I realized a long time ago when we move from leading our lives and making decisions in our lives, when we take our focus off the Word of God and make, start making life decisions by what we see around us, big mistake. Amen. Big mistake. Amen. This world will lie to you. This world will lead you places that you don't want to go. But God wants us to walk where he leads us. I'll go on. It says, so why did they go up? They, they went up because, Joshua and Caleb, they went up because of what God told them. God told them that he was giving it to them. Look at verse 31. But the men had gone up with him. We're not, they said, we're not able to go up these people. They are too strong. So here we have 10 of the 12 leaders said, no, we're not going to go. 
And they started listing all the reasons in the natural, all the reasons why they could not possess this promised land. And everything they mentioned, not one of them had anything to do with God or his power or what God had promised or anything else. Every one of them had to do with giants in the land, and every place was taken. Every place. All the houses was full. All the hotels were full. Every, there's no place. And then they went ahead and list all the places where all these people lived. And they went on to say that there was giants in the land. Giants in the land. So see, they was looking. They had forgot about all the things that God had done for them. They had forgot about the manna that God brought to them every day. They had forgot about when they got sick and tired of manna. They had forgot about the quail. They got to moaning and going, oh, we don't like manna no more. We don't like manna. So God brought them quail. They had forgot about that. They had forgot about the water coming out of the rock. They had forgot about that. They forgot about the Red Sea parting and them walking through on dry ground. And then when they got to the other side, the water conquered their enemy. They had forgot about that. Hmm. You know, <laughs> a, a guy was telling me that he's seen on the History Channel. Does anybody watch the History Channel? They have some good shows on History Channel, but some of them you've got to watch out for. You know, you all you know that, right? And, uh, and, and he was saying that they have shown on the History Channel, you know, that, well, really, you know, the time that the Red Sea was parted, at that time, the water was real low, and it was a dry season, and the water really wasn't that, <laughs> that deep. And, and then he says, you know, man, that was a bigger miracle than I thought. All of, all of them chariots and all them horses and all them soldiers drowned in knee-deep water. <laughs> man. That's a lot better story than what the, what the Bible said. <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? But see, we have to be careful that, that we don't do the same thing. We have to, we have to be so careful. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a quick, per, and, I, and I've told some of you, some of you just know this. I'll give you a per, quick personal uh, example. Uh, whenever this, the senior pastor come up for Orchardville Church, honestly, I, I just was not interested. I had pastored for nine and a half years, and I, I, I had my life just where I wanted it. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was good. I could come and go as I please. I could spend time with my family and the grandson, and I had it just where I wanted it. But, but then as, I, as uh, I talked to some of them when they wanted me to pray about it. And every time I pray about it, you know, I, I would have a peace about it. I'd have a peace about it, you know, and I, I got to thinking, okay, well, maybe, Lord, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm ready for another journey or not. But we, actually, we had been praying about what's next. We'd been praying about that, me and my wife had. And then one day I was praying and, uh, you know, it was like, it was like that still small voice I'm not asking you to go to Haiti, you know. I'm not asking you to go to Venezuela or Guatemala. And then I thought, I think this came from my mind, and I thought, you know, they do have running water at Orchardville. I know they do. 
I know. I remember Pastor Mark putting in plumbing years ago, and they've got running water, so... So I think that was the Lord's kind of way of, hey, you can take this or you can take something else. Yeah. <laughs> I chose, I love you guys. <laughs> uh, so anyway. But it is very important that, you know, it's easy for us to look back at characters in the Bible and wonder why they were so foolish. But I think there's some good examples here, you know, in this story. And one of them that just jumps out at me is that, and, and read, this, read this this week. I mean, I don't have to read all. You guys are big guys. You just have Bibles at home and all kinds of stuff. Uh, read that this week. Study it. But this really jumped out at me. It's very clear. It says two or three times that the 12 that went, they was leaders. Leaders. <clears throat> now, this is kind of scary. Only two of the 12 leaders was following God. And that's, that's crazy, isn't it? Now, see, that, that does tell us a few things. It tells us one thing that just because someone is in a leadership position don't mean they're leading. Right? I mean, I mean that's, just, that's, that's just the truth. It don't matter who you are or where you are. And the other side of that coin is, well, see, there's lots of, this is a great example. There's lots of leaders in this church that are not sitting in a leadership position. Ain't that right? Amen. Yeah. The one, you know, you guys that, that, that come are so faithful, you help and you work and you show up every Sunday. You might not have senior in front of your name, but you're leaders. Amen. And that's so important. Amen. So that's one thing that, that jumps out at me. And another thing is that, is, uh, what God wanted Joshua and Caleb do, he wanted them to just walk where he was leading them. And so two out of the 12 was the only ones that was going to follow God. Now, do you know, and I'll just give you a little bit more, Joshua and Caleb, they went in with the men that would follow them. They went in. And guess what they done? They ran all of those giants out of the land. Were they the strongest? I know. There was giants. Do you know? I just thought of this. Do you know? I don't have a clue what time it is. Do you know that they have found human skeletons 11 foot, 20 foot, and there's some reports, and I haven't done an hour of research on it, but I read all about it. 36 foot tall. They have found skeletons. How tall is this ceiling, George? How much? 20 some? Man, Frank? 23? Can you believe that? 23 feet and, and these, I, I guess it's true. The book is written to be true. 36 feet over, over in France. Crazy, isn't it? Now, see, some of you are probably thinking, well, there's no giants where I live. Well, it depends on what you call a giant. I mean, you know, I, I don't know any family, any family that doesn't have struggles, whether it's strife in, in a marriage, 
or whether it's rebellious children or whether it's drugs or alcohol. I'm telling you, those giants can do you more harm than a 36-foot dental giant. Amen. Amen. It's true. It's true. So my point is, Joshua and Caleb took their small band of men and ran all the giants out of the land, not because they were the smartest, not because they were the strongest, but because God was with them. Amen. Amen. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Now, guess what? God wants to lead you into victory too. He wants, it don't matter what your last name is. He don't care. He don't care what about your last night. What God is concerned about is your tomorrow. Amen. Amen. It's true. Amen. Praise team, if you'll go ahead and come, please. If we will only walk where he leads us. His power, his protection, his mercy, his grace, his guidance will surround us. Amen. Man, that's a few weeks ago I thought I was going to preach myself happy too, and I'm about to <laughs> tell you what. The question is today, will we follow where he leads us? And I'll be the first to tell you, it is not easy. And we, what we have to do, if, if, we, if we're going to be what God intends us to be, and I, really, I especially want this for my kids. You know, and I, I think many of you in will agree, excuse me, will agree with this. You know, I really want my kids to be one thing. I want them to be satisfied in life. I want to be satisfied. I don't care if they have a big house or a little house. New car, old car, five kids, one kid, I, I don't care. But I want them to be satisfied. I don't always want them chasing some crazy thing. I want to be satisfied. And we, me and my wife, we learned a long time ago that that satisfaction comes with walking with the Lord. That's where it comes from. Young people, hey, if you want to be satisfied, man, it comes from walking with God. It does. It does. Spoke a few Sundays ago about, about we should focus who we really are is who God says we are. So when we walk through life and we just do what his, God's Word tells us to do, we're, we're walking in who we are, we're walking in who God says we are, and, and we're satisfied. It's all good. Sure, we still have to work. You still got to work hard. You know, you still have struggles. You still have sorrow. But there's a satisfaction there. Bow your heads with me, please. Now, I, w- I do want to ask you, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first place God wants to lead you is to the cross. He wants to bring you to an understanding that you have done things wrong, just like everybody else here. 
And he also wants you to know that there's no other way. You cannot get rid of this sin on your own. You cannot overcome it on your own. It's just like if you had a credit card debt and it was so astronomical you can't even imagine paying it off. And they gave you two options. The first option is they're going to take every dime and nickel that you'll ever make from here on out. They're going to take it all. Everything you make, they're going to take it. Everything you've got, they're going to take it. And that's one option. Or there's another option. You can go into this man and you can put down your pride and you can humble yourself and go in and tell him, I'm sorry for all of these mistakes I've made. I'm sorry for all of this stuff I've done. Will you forgive me? Will you change me? It's as, in a, it's as simple as that. So that's where God wants to lead you. Stand up with me, please. Will you please? Now, if you've never received Christ as Lord and Savior, the praise team is getting ready to play. Here's what I want you to do. If you haven't, and you feel the and you feel God speaking to you, the next move is yours. Because God will do, He's done all of this to speak to you this morning. Jesus went to the cross so that you could live debt-free. And if you've never asked him to come into your heart, I want you to take the hand of the person beside you and they'll come up here with you. Will you do that for me? Right now, with every head bowed, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we just praise you and we thank you, Father. Oh, Heavenly Father, speak to your children today. Father, speak to the ones that don't know you. Knock upon their heart. Bring them in, Father. Let the harvest, let the harvest begin, O Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father, we worship you and praise you. Let every, everything that has breath praise you, Father. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. If you have a need this morning, please come. So
there's hope for the hopeless and all those who've strayed come sit at the table come taste the grace there's rest for the weary rest that endures earth has no sorrow our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.